Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. This is Let's Do the Right Thing in association with RadioWorks. Presented and curated by Adam Hopkinson. L-D-T-R-T, Let's Do the Right Thing. A second wave of podcasts in conjunction with Passion Media, that's P-A-S-H-N dot media, discussing how the world has changed in the last couple of years for various disciplines within marketing and what those disciplines have had to do to respond. Today, I'm speaking with Lee Curtin, a world record holder, an all-round top bloke, and the marketing communications director of Bandai Namco Entertainment, which to me means Dark Souls, Pac-Man, Dragon Ball Z, and Nino Kuni, amongst others. My son loves anime and Ghibli at the moment, so he's actually shown some interest in me talking to you today. Um, hello, Lee. Welcome to the pod. Hello. Good to see you again and hear you. <laughs> How have you been? Yeah, all right, thanks. Let's get going. Um, I've been looking forward to talking to you for a while because our chats tend to go off in some brilliantly random directions. So what I may have had planned here, I doubt is going to be be what actually comes out with at the end. But talking about planning, I I love that you've got such a content rich profile on on LinkedIn. Um, It's one of the networks that I really like, but I do feel for me that it's becoming a little bit Facebooky. Do you, do you feel that LinkedIn's working for you? Do you get useful leads out of it? Yeah, I mean, I, I kind of agree with you. It's kind of gone, you know, heavily social media rather than kind of the original, let's say, business platform that it always was. But if you think about LinkedIn back then, it was actually quite stale in a way because it was very kind of focused on, you know, traditional business networking. And there wasn't, you know, there wasn't really a lot of content on there. Um Nowadays, I kind of spend more time on LinkedIn than I do anywhere else, just because there's huge amounts of information about what's going on in the world through different businesses. Lots of um, yeah, lots of seminars that have happened that you wouldn't be aware of that are posted on there for you to watch. Um, various bits of information that I just wouldn't find by sort of you know googling and hunting around the internet. So I kind of find that by uh, connecting with people I don't do a lot of outreach I, but I get a lot of people wanting to connect with me and I tend to connect with everybody um, whereas you know if I chose any other platform I probably wouldn't I'd be very specific in terms of who I was connected with but I actually find through LinkedIn you do end up connecting with people from different businesses where partnerships and collaborations can happen so yeah I do agree um, I think there'd be some old school business people that would be let's say grumpy or moaning about how it's not what it was but at the same time I I also think it's (laughs) (laughs) yeah and I kind of get that as well but at the same time I I, you know I don't see people in there sharing pictures of their food 
um, or their holidays and things. So I think once that happens, then it kind of then we're in trouble, and LinkedIn's in trouble. But I think yep. for, for for its purpose, I think it's great. And um, you know, I've had some really great collaborations through LinkedIn um, that I probably wouldn't have had unless I'd been you know reached out to via that platform. Are, are there any that stand out in particular? Because I mean, looking back over your your career on LinkedIn, it, it's remarkably consistent, um, and you know within it, you, you've executed some amazing campaigns like the Yorkshire Tea and Dark Souls collaboration, the uh, the projections on Pac Man, which I think we'll talk about shortly, but things like Heaver Castle and Sterling Witcher events. Have, have any of those come through LinkedIn? And and indeed, actually, aside from that, what's the best thing that you've worked on? What's your favourite? Um, so in terms of partnerships and collaborations, um, I mean, of late, I, I probably would say the Pac-Man Gorillas partnership that happened. Um, so Gorillas were working on a track which was actually called Pac-Man. Um, it was in very early stages of concept and development and Gorillas people, um, their, their music team, their agents reached out to me via LinkedIn and said, hey, you know, Damon and the team want to obviously work on this track that they've been producing as part of um, a particular album that was happening during lockdown. And, you know, with I suppose without actually collaborating with them and getting in touch with them and working alongside them and bringing in the license team, it would never have happened. Um, and you know it was something that you know ultimately didn't cost anything from our side but it was more just making sure that they were using Pac-Man and the character in the right respect and helping them you know with you know various red tape which you know I have always enjoyed trying to make things easy for people rather than difficult um, so that was kind of a recent thing um, for sure um, so yeah, I mean that that of late, but there's always been other things. I wouldn't necessarily say some of the things you mentioned, like the events that you know I've sort of worked on in the past have been through you know come from LinkedIn themselves. Um, but I do find it's a great place to sometimes share some of those great uh, examples of a perfect event, something that's very different, or in a or a particular execution or press worthy stunt that people talk about you know I'm always a big believer in you know putting things together that people will talk about for a long time and most certainly not doing things that other people have done um, that would be the same when it comes to events um, or ideas I don't want to be a copy of what somebody else has done or a particular place where somebody else is used so I've always tried to be sort of uh, unique and stand out in that sense. Uh, well, I mean, are you now an honorary member of the Gorillas? <laughs> <laughs> no, but I'd like to be. Um, but actually, a friend of mine does voice one of the characters from Gorillas, so um, that was really? so, so it was quite cool to sort of tell him about um, the collaboration. And, you know, if you saw the Gorillas Pac-Man track on, you know, the actual video, it's got, you know, hundreds of millions of views now. It's just a really cool, very different take on utilizing you know the most popular video game character in the world but also with one of the most coolest bands in the world so yeah really cool i, I at least hope that there's a jamie hewlett um portrait of you in the work somewhere that would be really nice to be honest i mean you know from my perspective you know what i what i brought to the party was just 
getting it to happen, making it happen, and you know, you know, there's a lot of work that obviously they put in in creating the, the, the track and the song and the video, and you know, it was more just to make sure that I could make the process easy because without that, it would never have happened because you know if they couldn't just go ahead and do it for example and i wanted to sort of champion the idea to say to the worldwide teams and obviously japan and everything why this was a great collaboration and why it was pretty cool um yeah. so yeah no it's great and I, I do have a um i do have a framed picture of the actual pack the gorillas artwork with the pac-man machine which is in my garage so oh, fantastic yeah, it's only a print out but it's really cool <laughs> Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs no deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Given that we're, we're on Pac-Man at the minute, can we talk about your record? Well, it's not my record, but again, it's one of those things where um, I sort of worked very closely with, um, it was almost 10 years ago now, with the Gadget Show and um, a company called Running in the Horse. Um, Riff, who are a, um, well, they're just incredible. Um, they came to me a while back about an, an idea that they were looking at exploring with the Gadget Show to ultimately design a Pac-Man game that actually fitted the building of the Millennium Mills in Docklands. So it was, the whole idea of it was to develop develop it so it actually worked itself around the actual structure of the building and the windows um, themselves because the structure of that building did look quite like a um, Pac-Man maze. It did. And yeah, it's, it was incredible. But also designed the largest controller that had ever been made as well. So the whole concept was to ultimately set a record for the largest architectural projection mapped video game. Try saying that after a few beers, um, and you know I'm not even going to try and say it now. <laughs> so again, I was very much on board with the idea, and I knew it wouldn't be easy because we would, they would, well, we, they would have to develop a new version of the original Pac-Man game that ultimately 
would be uh, respectful to Pac-Man, respectful to the IP and the you know the source material, um, and that meant me kind of being a sort of internal producer on it, in the sense that every single stage of their development, they were using the correct assets, they were using the correct style guides, and making sure that there was there were no mistakes, but also making sure that they could do it without any additional cost to them, because there was obviously a huge cost to them in terms of. Um, booking that space to develop the world record itself and obviously create the controller, uh, which was, you know, magnificent in itself. So I sort of once again sort of got to work with Japan and said, look, this is going to be great. And actually, you know, it fits, it was fitting in with a kind of launch of one of our Pac-Man um, new animations uh, that we were working on and a range of toys and everything. And just the, the timing was quite good. So me kind of having my PR hat on sort of used it as a, an opportunity to, you know, get some key press down there, create some stories around it that could help obviously the gadget show in terms of visibility, but also um, get as much awareness around this amazing stunt as possible. And, you know, it all went to plan. The game was fully playable on the building over the river so we had the huge controller uh, it worked um, it used some of the um, most powerful projections and um, projectors in the world to actually beam the images of the game over the river onto the building and you know there's some amazing pictures online you know where you've got the the, the game on the building and the o2 in the background and you know the whole docklands scene so it's just for me it's just one of those things that you know, really stand out, bring a smile to people's faces and things that we don't see that often anymore. And yeah, you know, in collaboration with the Gadget Show, it, it actually set a world record for the largest architect, architectural projection mapped video game. So yeah, super cool. So I, I, tend, I tend not to let people forget about it every couple of years. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I remember as a kid, Pac-Man, we, we were crazy for Pac-Man when we were growing up at, uh, at school, Pac-Man stickers and Miss Pac-Man, etc. And, and it felt like there was a, a, a wave of interest then. But how, how has Pac-Man brand survived so well for so long? Is it a nostalgia play now for, for people <coughs> of, of my age um, or people coming in or fans coming in on the younger end of the market? Th Where's it coming from? I think from? there's a bit of both, really. Um, I mean, you know, we did some research a while back and Pac-Man has the highest awareness rate out of any character. So, you know, it's something like 97% worldwide awareness rate. I don't know who those 3% are, but it's <laughs> it's there's two sides to it. Um, from my perspective, and I was fortunate enough within the company to have a, a title of sub-chief Pac-Man officer as well, which was kind of an honorable title for my sort of service to Pac-Man and things that I've done, and you know, I suppose care and attention um, to the character. Um, you've got the nostalgia side of it, of course, with um, constant collectibles, licensing t-shirts, everything you can possibly imagine on that. Obviously, uh, new versions of the game, um, various compilations of the game like Pac-Man Museum Plus, uh, new games that have been um, designed um, like Pac-Man 256 on mobile, collaborations with um, partners like I just mentioned with Gorillaz um, and you know cool companies like Chili's with the bottles and things like that. Every sort of milestone birthday there's celebration so 30th celebration 35th, 40th, so we tend to do something really cool around those um, landmark birthdays. 
Um, and then with the kids, you know, over the last sort of four or five years, I've been doing um, uh, taking Pac-Man into the schools by actually setting junior apprentice style um, assignments for a number wow. of schools. So that's uh, essentially me, me building a presentation on the video games industry, taking them back to the birth of games as such as, you know, back in the 1950s. You know, Bandai Namco as a com two companies that formed started out in the 1950s. I sort of explained to kids what kids were doing in the playground in the 50s. You know, making roller skates out of their shoes, playing with you know sticks and conkers and things like that. A lot of stuff that's actually banned in schools now, unfortunately, because of the <laughs> yeah, political correct world we live in today. Um, and um, then I thought was take them on a journey as you know where the computers and CPC started going through to consoles at home how graphics have evolved since, you know, the early days of vector graphics with Star Wars, um, and then to where graphics and engines are now with, you know, Unreal Engine and, you know, CryEngine and Red Engine and Unity. And I take them on this kind of journey, um, which I do, I condense down in about an hour, and then show them how technology has evolved, and then give them a history of Pac-Man from Pac-Man's birth in 1980 th through today, and how Pac-Man actually changed um, has changed so much obviously in the last 40, 45 years because you think about it how music's changed in that time as well and you know the 80s yeah. was you know arguably you know the best decade in terms of you know many things um, and that's when Pac-Man first started then I kind of inspire them on how Pac-Man was actually created uh, because essentially it's a very simple character and you know Inky, Blinky, Pinky and Clyde you know, the familiar ghosts are also very familiar characters and, you know, in some cases more familiar than Pac-Man himself. Um, mm. And kids are inspired and then I set them an assignment to actually create their own character or their own characters, their own worlds, um, what their story's about, but I actually get them focused on good things and, you know, not, not violence. And, it's, and then put them into teams of like four or five and it's amazing watching all work together. So you might have one kid who's a great designer, one's a great writer, one's great at presenting. One's, so they all utilize their skill sets. They, they design their own game essentially and their own character. And then they, a few weeks later, I go to the school, they, there's an assembly, they present their ideas and they get a certificate and it actually helps their English and some of their other studies within the schools. I've done it for about four or five schools now. So, but actually at the start of it, I, I show a sort of subliminal image of Pac-Man and I ask, does anybody know who this is? And every child puts their hand up and knows really? who the character is, which is really, really interesting. Because I also show uh, an image of a Tamagotchi, which um, Bandai Namco obviously responsible for in the 90s. And actually, they're not that aware of a Tamagotchi. Um, so Pac-Man, I think, is just integrated into pop culture and everything that kids are kind of exploring. There is, there is, you know, hundreds of years of content of Pac-Man available on YouTube, whether it's stuff that people have created themselves yeah. or things that we've created. And I think it's just something that is instantly recognizable. But that doesn't mean you should assume that you can't cr continue creating content for kids. And that's why I ended up developing... Pac-Man stories, um, which was a kind of example of what we could do to educate the next 10, 20 years of you know, children. And, and Pac-Man stories is the, the innovation that you've led with Alexa, is that right? Yeah, so I was really interested in the voice, um, all the voice platforms that are out there. 
and especially the um, Amazon Alexa Echo at the time. So, you know, having meetings with Amazon and discussing, you know, the opportunity of bringing a character like Pac-Man to that platform, they were really excited by that because they saw the strength in Pac-Man. They were leading out a range of kids' um, skills on the Alexa platform. So when I went in to present to them what I was thinking about doing, they were like, you couldn't have come at a better time. So, you know, the whole concept of that, which was which came really out of the innovations group within Bandai Namco, which was a project that I you know, wanted to do, which was ultimately take the success of, you know, choose your own adventure, uh, but take that onto a voice activated platform. But I didn't want to use Alexa's traditional voice. I wanted to have a proper actress narrator. Um, I wanted to have, um, you know, high production music, high production um, actors, and make it feel like a you know a very expensive story that you're in control of. So, the, but the whole idea is I wanted each story to be um, important for kids to learn something at the end of each story. So it's all about saving the planet, not throwing your garbage everywhere, eating fruit and veg, not eating too many sweets, looking after your teeth, being active, helping people, being responsible, whilst kind of feeding that all into fun. So each story is fun. But I wanted to gamify each story as well. So consider, based on what decisions you make throughout the story, um, you'll be rewarded with a power pellet. So if you're, you're walking down the path, you see a sign, do you want to continue down the sign, but in the background you hear a duck, the duck's in trouble, do you want to help the duck? You help the duck, the duck says thank you, explains that all this plastic is trapped around um, his feet, um, you help the duck, the duck swims off, comes back, rewards you with a power pellet. Then the, the platform and development actually recognises and remembers how many power pellets that you've, you've, um, you've got. So at the end of the story, you'll get a good ending if you've been this perfect child. If you haven't, you'll get the bad ending, um, at which kind of says, hey, you need to be a bit more uh, responsible, a bit nicer. <laughs> so... Um, there's two stories out there. They're completely free. Um, has some great reviews from people, which is really nice to see people enjoying it. Um, you know, it, as, it, as a kind of uh, commercial uh, opportunity, it isn't. Is it a great opportunity to take Pac-Man into a new area and provide something to parents and children? Yes. Um, so it's it's nice to be able to do something like that and prove what can be done. But there's so much more that can be done, obviously, for the younger audiences with Pac-Man. Wow, and it, it's good, good, good to see you giving back, and good to get people on 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 the right tracks. You know, gaming is so important to people's lives nowadays that if you can put proper social messages in there, then um, all the better for it. Are you seeing any other kind of? I mean, th th this to me feels like a really strong innovation and and a really interesting use of modern technology. Are, are you seeing other people, other competing games brands, doing anything similar at the minute? Um, I've seen, um, not for kids so much, um, but um, on some, you know, other games have obviously applied themselves to the Alexa platform, you know, with, I think, Halo and Destiny's done something, but it's um, not necessarily with, um, with kids as much. There are some kids' skills available. Obviously, we've always got to be careful with uh, kids and how they access these platforms and, you know, what they're asking for. And, and all that kind of stuff as well. But um, 
there's been some examples. Um, I think it's from my perspective, sort of now, you know, looking outside in, for me, it's just quite a good marketing opportunity. Um, you know, if you're using a character to be quite transmedia in a way, where Pac-Man is, you know, because you've got games, TV shows, um, in, you know, involvement in films um, and pop culture, you know, like episodes of Black Mirror, Pixels movie, you know, Wreck-It Ralph, um, yep. you know, it's just another string to the bow in a way that you can say, well, actually Pac-Man is now an interactive story that kids can engage with. Um, so uh, I haven't seen a huge amount of examples to be honest, not, not necessarily on the kids side of things. So it was kind of nice to be one of, the, one of the first, most certainly the first in gaming. It feels like delivering value back and creating a multimedia universe for, for a brand is a strong way to, to engage with everybody. Absolutely. I think over the, over the last two years, you know, all of the rules have changed. Everybody's behavior is completely different. Our whole world experience is not what it was at the end of 2019. How are you seeing your, your industry catching up with that? I mean, are, are people adapting to that change? Yeah, I think, you know, I think the video games industry was 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 kind of the, was lucky over the last couple of years because um, it was an industry that wasn't massively affected um, because we obviously had a lot of people um, at home and a lot of people wanting entertainment at home. Um, parents were obviously homeschooling and you know wanting to make sure that you know we could keep the kids chins up and also ourselves in terms of our own sort of mental health and happiness and things like that so on a positive side during lockdown and obviously over the last two years in general you know video games have have um, performed obviously really well especially back catalogue games but at the same time like like most um, most of the arts you know, video games have been affected as well through development because, you know, there were lots of um, opportunities to do things that we couldn't now do. Uh, for example, we were we were about to celebrate a milestone birthday for Pac-Man. Lockdown happened. We had a huge um, execution we were going to do, and it all changed because of lockdown. So there were things that had to get scrapped. Um, you know, we were in the middle of ca some campaigns that had to be you know, obviously completely overhauled and changed. Um, and development on certain titles with things such as motion capture, performance capture, voiceover work, um, and also having developers in the same place or the same studio to be able to develop, continue developing a game effectively at 100% rate was obviously affected as well. So there was positives and negatives, but I also think there was, you know, you know, I took a lot of time looking at what was going on in the rest of the world and felt obviously fortunate to be in the industry that I was in, um, but yeah. at the same time couldn't help feel sort of bad and sad for people that were really affected. Um, and I took it upon myself to do as much as I possibly could during lockdown to help you know, people that were affected, um, you know, sitting at home, working at home, as a lot of people were. were. So, you know, there was a lot of, you know, our communities is a big thing in gaming overall, but there was a huge amount of communities at home with families at home, you know, wanting to get through the days as best as possible. Um, so, you know, 
gaming was a big help there. I th- so it was a, it was a huge positive thing for people. It was a very positive thing for us as well because the uh, my my boy is nine and yeah he's glued to his screen at the best of times anyway. But it really did become his social portal. So whatever he was doing on screen was generally sort of, it was pretty good actually, but he was playing with his mates and they were interacting and they were having conversations and he felt that he was engaged. Absolutely. And I totally see how and why gaming has exploded again over the lockdown. Um, it, 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 really, it really helped him, you know, it helped him get through it. Yeah, my son was exactly the same, you know, he was struggling a bit with the whole lockdown thing and... You know, there's only so many times when you when you when you did go for your exercise. You know, you're walking around the same place over and over again, and in the end, they just want to play with their mates, don't they? So, you know, him jumping into FIFA and connecting with his friends, just like you know yours yours do, was a good thing for them, and it and it made them happy, and that's the important thing. Um, at the same time, obviously, we don't want kids glued to their screens all day, but during unprecedented times, we kind of needed to get what we could get and get them in there just get them feeling positive outside of schoolwork because work is, you know, schooling from home was not easy. <laughs> no, no, it wasn't. And we, you know, we were off, off com terrible in ours. <laughs> oh yeah. I'm definitely not a teacher. There's no doubt about that. I think I'm going to do something which is a, a bit of a social faux pas. And I, I may even be quoting you back to you, but I was told very recently that FIFA had driven uh, an interesting uh, increase in understanding of flags of nations in kids. Oh, really? So suddenly, the uh, yeah, I, it may have come from you, actually. Um, but apparently, but kids are now all comp- uh, competing in FIFA Online by the knowledge of the flags of the different countries because they've been playing so much of it. That's really interesting. No, that didn't come from me, but that's, um, that is really interesting. I mean, F- FIFA is a huge culture for, you know, for kids of a certain age. And I'm quite lucky enough to be able to spend a lot of time playing with my son as well, although... He's got too good now. So because he's got so good, you just stop playing with him, right? <laughs> no, no, I just need to get better because um, I used to be really good at playing games and I kind of feel now that, you know, kids are just incredibly good. You know, I watch them playing Fortnite and seeing how they build things and I'm just like, wow. Um, but, um, but yeah, Fortnite, Minecraft, FIFA, that's, that, that's, that's, his, that's his world. That's his metaverse. No, they're, they're amazing at it. I mean, mine are as well. I've never been able to really get control of the, the double joystick um, to orientate around the world. I've never been able to do that. Mario Kart was always my theme, but when my kids started beating me at that, then I gave up. <laughs> um, how, how are you and Harry on that? Did, Harry winning there, or have you got Yeah, that we one? had our phase of Mario Kart, um, and um, he's not much of a kind of old-school games player he's it's, it's funny because I obviously I use him as a sort of benchmark for everything that I do in work because of his age and you know the content he watches on TV and Netflix and the games he plays is you know a great indication of what you know boys of that age uh, or kids of that age in general do um, but he's not he, when we when he first had the switch he we played a lot of Mario Kart um, and you know you know we I talked about Mario Kart because I've been obviously growing up playing it myself um, but we had our spell on that. But it's funny now with kids, they, they, they've got their certain games that they play and they stick to. And they don't tend to veer away from those games. They will try other things, but they don't tend to go back to them. So it's, you know, very much that kind of culture of those those games that are really sticky for them. And they're sort of into it because 
that's what all their mates are playing. Well, exactly, and even more so than ever, it's social glue. Of course. Uh, if, if that's their experience of, of each other through through the last two years, then of course they're going to stick to it, and it makes sense. Yeah, I mean, it's all about the sort of their, their metaverses as such, isn't it? They come home from school and, you know, they're tired or whatever, and they jump straight into Fortnite or whatever, and their mates are all in there, and they're allowed to sort of, you know, live out the lives they want to live in, in those games. And... Um, it's not just about the, the, the gameplay either. It's all about you know flexing and showing off and you know just meeting up in places. I think you know meeting up in their, their virtual spaces are really important for uh, for kids. Um, it's great. I think it's I think it's really good. I, I agree, and the, the metaverse is, is is very interesting to me at the minute because I'm I'm desperate to understand how it can be used as a new channel for brands to communicate with their consumers, and I haven't got my head around it yet. But I wonder whether Harry has is is he seeing is he seeing brands invading that space at the minute? Is there a, a sense of people using it as a channel for comms? Well, absolutely. I mean, Fortnite's a great example of that. You know, it's it's not just a game. It's a it's a massive advertising space to concerts, film trailers, um, brands, um, partnerships. You know, huge amounts of um, you know, whenever there a, a new Marvel film comes out, you know, those skins are going to be in Fortnite. Um, yeah. Even um, kind of iconic, nostalgic um, things such as you know. Terminator or whatever, you know, I get my son asking me about these films. I'm like, whoa, you're not ready to watch those yet. <laughs> and um, it's a, I always find that Fortnite is kind of, it is that great um, example of a metaverse, you know, because the metaverse essentially is a digital space where people are, you know, interacting within it and showing off their their various avatars and, you know, and, and, and you know, and in, engaging and, uh, communicating within a virtual space and you know we've been doing it for years we probably just haven't been calling it the metaverse but they've been around for obviously years in games yep. um, but Fortnite's a great example of that because of people can you know trade um, well not trade as such but they can gift skins they can spend their own currency that they have I mean you know my son doesn't deal in, in pounds he deals in V-Bucks you know, yeah, so, Roblox or whatever. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So you know, yeah. he's he's happy to get his pocket money in V bucks because he wants the latest. Mine skin. as well, and I don't understand. It it baffles me. <laughs> I mean, is is there a danger that they're spending too much time in the metaverse rather than the real world? Well, I mean, that all come, that always comes down to the parents, doesn't it? I mean, you know, in the end, we've got to be careful to always uh, manage what what our, the consumption of what our kids are uh, are spending their time with. Um, and at the same time, I find that they are happy communicating with their friends. All their friends have kind of set times of when they can play to when they, you know, when they can't play. Um, I think it comes down to, you know, a great explanation for Fortnite, which is not, you know, not an intelligent explanation. It's just obvious, really, is that, you know, having something cool to show off is really important. And we're, we all had it as kids growing up, whether it was a sticker collection or, you know, a card collection or a top trumps or whatever. Um, and, you know, in my adult life, it's, you know, trainers, you know, sneakers, because I see them and I'm like, I want those. And, you know, with these things now popping up in games as well, they become the sort of digital representation of obviously the physical thing. And, you know, kids want to show off their latest skins. They want to really look cool and... You know they're not, they're not paying to win. They're play. They're pay, paying to look good, 
and you know nobody wants to be running around in a virtual world you know with the bog standard skin that you get in the game when you first play it you know people want to look unique and as cool as possible um, so I, I kind of get it from that perspective um, and that's essentially what the metaverse is really and being able to meet up to see a live concert from a huge pop star in that virtual space just to jump around and pull off dance moves um, is 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 really intelligent and, and a great way of kind of working on working with partners and big brands yeah you, you, you said something very interesting just then. Sorry, everything that you have said have been very interesting, but you said something particularly interesting then, which was the digital representation of the physical thing, which I think is probably the best description of an NFT that I've heard. Yeah, I mean, you know, there's, there's lots of talk about um, NFTs, and I think they're mainly if you spend a lot of time on social media. Um, you know, if you go and talk to, I use the example of Dave in the pub, you know, Dave is the guy that buys every big game every year. So probably about four or five games a year. And you probably mentioned NFT to him. He wouldn't have a clue what it actually is and never heard of it. Um, so, you know, I, I tend, I've not got involved in them. I've researched what they are. I know what they are. Um, but there obviously seems to be a lot of debate and, you know, negativity around them as well. Um, Whereas there seems to be a huge amount of um, brands and actors and sports companies getting involved in them. Um, so, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see, you know, how, um, what that looks like in the future. Um, for now, it's just something I sort of read up on from time to time. I've yeah. never really big, been a big understand, had a great understanding of, you know, how cryptocurrency really works and what the background of it is and the blockchain I know what it is I know the blockchain but I've never really sort of got into it I know friends that have um, but yeah it'd be interesting to see um, what happens with the whole NFT uh, thing for sure absolutely I mean everything is changing and it's changing at such a rate that it's very hard to um to, to, to fully understand it unless you are already immersed in it so do, do you see that then that this world and maybe even the world of gaming could be something that, that Harry might follow your footsteps into um, I kind of hope so because it's a great industry to work in you know technology entertainment overall is, is, is excitement uh, uh, you know and bringing fun and happiness to people which is what it's all about in the end um, so yeah I hope so um, and you know it'd be interesting to see how the the future metaverses are, you know, whether there'll be hundreds of thousands of them and, you know, whether in the future, you know, the the, the mainstream, let's say the the mass market that um, adapts to these things, whether it's in VR or, you know, through their computers and how that might change the face of real estate and, you know, being able to view properties on a, from a, you know, a digital level. And I think it's quite exciting at the possibilities of the future. But at the same time, I don't really want a future where everyone's sat around in their homes with headsets on all day. Um, that's not great. No, no. But the Ready Player One example is a great example of, you know, I suppose, you know, a metaverse based on obviously the, the, the famous book and the recent film. Um, but it will be interesting to see what happens in the future. Um, 
and that's why I think it's an exciting industry. Anything to do with technology is always exciting because, as you just mentioned, um, it, it changes so much. You know, I started in working in games in 1997. You know, when Unreal was being released for the first time, which was using the Unreal Engine as it was then. And you look at where that has gone now with the Unreal Five Engine and how amazing that looks, and you know how Fortnite it has become this um, uh, just part of life for people and so what's going to happen in the next 25 years is going to be um, you know incredible really it's going to be immeasurably different to what it is now i think i think so for sure you know will we have driverless cars where you're playing games and in the back of them who knows um i think that's a long way away but um the future is always quite exciting at the moment i just want a nicer world to be honest it would be nice I was, I was listening to the radio on the way in this morning and apparently legislation has just been put through that there will be driverless cars available in the UK by 2025. You will not be able to use your mobile phone in them, but you will be able to um, consume entertainment on built-in screens. And then interestingly, because they're driverless cars, the um, the insurance companies will be those that pick up the liability for any accidents with them. So I think it's going to change faster than we think and, and it'll never it'll never be this slow again you know it's just going to get faster and faster and faster yeah it's going to be interesting because you know even with cars that are you know manually controlled you have accidents um and you know road networks are not perfect uh, roads are not perfect you know i think there's a huge amount to be done to actually have fully functional driverless cars roaming around on the roads without you know potential risks and potential things happening you know it's going to be really really interesting um to see how that actually works um but uh but uh, yeah it's, it's weird isn't it i couldn't actually I, I, part of me is glad i'm the age i am i quite like driving a car <laughs> i love driving a car i want a noisy car <laughs> as well everything's getting quiet yeah <laughs> that's electric for you so you're excited about the future, Lee. Um, is it a, what does the future hold for you? What's next in your plan? Um, to be honest, at the moment, I'm taking a bit of a break. Um, so after, you know, a long time working on some, you know, amazing titles, I'm having a little bit of a break to, you know, take some time off and then we'll see where my feet land. Um, but... Uh, yeah, you know, following the release of Elden Ring, which was, you know, which has been a massive success. Um, it's such a great um, honour and opportunity to have been, you know, to have been part of launching that title alongside the previous titles that we've worked on from From Software, such as Demon Souls, Dark Souls, Dark Souls Two, and Dark Souls Three. So to see to see how incredibly incredibly well Elden Ring has performed based on you know a huge amount of incredible work by From Software and the team there and obviously all the teams that I've worked with in terms of bringing it to market you know it's it's great just seeing it you know selling and people talking about it on a day-to-day basis on social media it's um, it's a bit of an honor so now I'm just looking forward to a break and a holiday <laughs> a break and a holiday well you're well deserved you are well loved within the within the industry lee and there's lots of speculation as to where you might end up so so i will keep my eyes peeled thank you buddy thank you for listening to let's do the right thing in association with radio works the uk's largest independent radio advertising agency let's do the right thing is a maple street creative production devised and presented by adam hopkinson
Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.